Romans chapter number 11, and um, it is uncharted territory we find ourselves in. And for those who are watching via live stream, I don't think you can see it, but there's only about 12, 15 of us here. And uh, so it's a little different for me preaching to a uh, primarily empty auditorium, and so you'll have to bear with us there via live streaming. Appreciate these folks that are here, and uh, they are spread out all over the auditorium and uh, to give me something to look at wherever I look, so thankful for that and uh, grateful for. But we're in Romans chapter 11, we're going to pick up where we have have left off on our Wednesday night study. Now, I completely understand uh, that we are gathering some folks who have not been with us, i.e. the youth group, those who are workers and Pee Wee and Patch, and so uh, we're not going to do much review. We're going to pick up where we're at, do things a little bit different. I don't have an outline or anything like that tonight, so we're not doing that to follow along per se. We'll just kind of present, we do want to make an emphasis on prayer tonight, so we'll cut this a little shorter than maybe normal, and uh, spend some good time in prayer together at the end of this service, and praying for our country, praying for our church, praying for one another, and uh, trusting God that he'll bless that and so forth. In Romans chapter 11, where we are at this point, we've come through, we've just gotten done talking about how you and I as Gentiles have enjoyed the spiritual blessings of God as Israel has in unbelief. Some of them have been those branches that have fallen away, and you and I have been grafted among them. One of the things I want to draw your attention to now as we get into verses 25 and following, the second part of verse 25, would you look Look with me back up at verse number 17. Look there, verse number 17, Romans chapter number 11. Now draw your attention to this simple passage. He says this, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, that's us, the church, the Gentiles, were grafted in among them, and with them, in this statement, notice it, partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Referring to you and I, that with uh, the Jews as Gentiles, now the church, we get to partake of the root and the fatness of the tree. And I'll tell you, we ended our study a couple weeks ago with that thought, and it is a delightful thought. May I put it this way? The fact is, as the people of God, as the church, we're enjoying the blessings of God, and yet in that we're not displacing or replacing the Jews. It is a matter of addition. He says we're grafted in among them, and I think that's a great truth. And now you and I get to enjoy all the spiritual blessings that come through Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul's trying to emphasize and make a point. May I ask you, may I put it this way, isn't it good to be part of the family of God? It is. We have great blessings. And boy, you and I now during this time of the Gentiles have enjoyed the spiritual blessings by which you and I have heard of Jesus Christ, that name uh, that's under heaven, given among men whereby you must be saved. And what a blessing that is. And so that is where we uh, find ourselves. Now, we're going to make a simple play on words from verse 25. Because as you see, as we'll look to verse 25 here in a moment, the time is coming when God determines that this time where you and I are partaking, we're enjoying the fatness of the vine, this time uh, is coming to an end. The family is full. He speaks of the fullness of the Gentiles. The family is full. The church is complete. It's reached the point where now the next prophetical event, which is the rapture, is going to take place. Uh, It signifies the end of what does Paul put in verse 25 until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And I like that statement. Okay, because it does encompass the, the rapture. It encompasses you and I as believers, uh, enjoying now our fruition of our salvation. We're, we get to go to heaven. I notice those last two words, okay? Forgive me, this is maybe somewhat southern influence or country influence. All I can think of when I read that unto the fullness of the Gentiles become in is this statement, y'all come in. 
Y'all come in, make yourself home, make yourself comfortable. And you know, really, that's what Paul's saying. He, he's saying the time is coming when you and I are going to be called to heaven. And God's going to, uh, Christ certainly meet us in the air, but then you and I will be gaining entrance into heaven. What joy that's going to be. And uh, that is coming, that time when you and I are going to uh, enjoy that reality. Look at verse 25. Let's read it together. We talked already about the first part here, but notice it. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness, speaking of that blindness that's come upon the Jews, in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. I would draw your attention to that little word there, the word until. It's a small word. It's seemingly insignificant in how we read it, but it tells you and me that God has not lost track of time, that everything is right on schedule. It's on God's schedule. We've said it before. May we reiterate this to you? The fact is this. God is never early. He's never late. His timing is always perfect. That's our God. And what Paul's saying, he says, listen, everything's just going right along. Everything's perfect according to God's plan. You, you don't have to worry. You don't have to say, oh, God forgot about something. And I don't know about you, but I certainly forget about things. And, and look at my clock. I lose track of time and so forth. And ah, God's not like that. That doesn't happen to him. His timing is perfect. And that includes the changing of dispensations, the changing of ages and times. You see it here in front of you. The plan is still in place. And it's playing out beautifully and perfectly. Many, many moons ago on television, there was a, a, a show, and the main character was known for saying this statement. I love it when a plan comes together. And I tell you tonight, I love it when God's plans come together. And what you and I are witnessing right now, what we read about in Romans chapter 11, is this reality. God's plan is coming together. It's not being short-circuited. A virus or some other means of anything is not short-circuiting God's plan. In fact, we'd say just the opposite. It's playing into God's plan. Everything is working according to what God has intended, both for the time of the Jews, the chasing of the Jews, the rebuking of the Jews, and then the opening of the spiritual doors of salvation to the Gentiles. Everything is played perfectly into his plan. I love that. One of our good friends, Pastor uh, Christian Garcia, he has a saying that we always tease him about. He, used to always, he, he would always say this when we're talking about plans, what could possibly go wrong? That's what he says all the time. We're talking about something. We were making plans for something along the way. And, and Pastor Aaron certainly knows that and, and has experienced Christians saying that many, many times. What could possibly go wrong? May I tell you, sometimes I fear what goes wrong with my plans. I fear what could ha fall apart. And boy, I, I try to think of all the details and even of a night like this and the live stream and what could possibly go wrong. And uh, I think of it in terms of that. And yet the reality is this. You know what? With God's plans, nothing ever goes wrong. It always goes right. That's God's plan. I mean, you, you, there is no question what God's plan is going to do. It will always go right. It will never go wrong. And my friend, that tonight ought to bring you and I great assurance in the midst of what we're facing. In the midst of any storm, in the midst of anything that you and I can sense is an upheaval, a tumult, a negative, a challenge, a test, a trial, you name it, you and I can take great comfort in that reality. What we have in this passage and throughout the scriptures is from God, you and I have a bird's eye view of his plans. 
And yet, even as we have that, we have the privilege of resting in the assurance that it's going to play out exactly as He intended and as it's presented to us. It's kind of nice having the, 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 the playbook before you, before it happens. That's what we have in Scriptures. God has said this is going to, how it's going to go. Now, as we get to verse 25, here's some exciting thing about this passage. Uh, it, it, it is such an exciting story and book. Verse 25 is the turning of the page. It's like you and I looking ahead and saying, oh, wow, what comes next? I, I love reading in some books that I, I read for just for enjoyment, some historical novels and things. And, boy, you can get into them. And even in the Scriptures, reading a Bible story, you can get into them. And you say, boy, what's coming next? And you get excited about that. Well, that's what verse 25 is. It's really a turning of the pages. It's looking ahead and understanding that, okay, God's redemptive plan and the focus of it is no more on the Gentiles, but is going back now to uh, be focused on the Jews. Uh, Switch of focus. And boy, what an exciting time it's going to be, and God only knows how close it is. You know, I often think, and as preparing this message, um, I, I thought, you know, what if those who are watching via live stream and, and with what's taking place, we may not see each other for a few weeks. What if the next time we see each other is in heaven? The playing out of God's plan, the reality that, you know what, um, uh, there's no more to happen here on earth uh, and for God to say, all right, son, go and get your bride. Go and bring her home, bring the church home. What a delight it would be, wouldn't it, for some of us, those who are watching through live streaming, maybe we haven't seen you uh, for a week or since Sunday, and the next time we see each other would be in heaven. What a joy that would be. What a delight that would be. And uh, that's really what we have here, boy. We, we just don't know. Now look at verse 26, if you will, with me. Let's read that. Verse 26, this is literally in my Bible, the turning of the page. And, uh, but it is also presented that way in verse 25. Look at verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now let me just ask you for a second, what do you think is going on in Paul's mind? As he's led by the Holy Spirit, he's writing this statement that all of Israel will be saved. Now I'll tell you, my friend, for Paul, here's a man who said, I'll give up my own future, I'll give up my own salvation if my kindred, if my people could get saved. And now he's being led to write by the Holy Spirit that all of Israel will be saved. May I just put it this way, the thought of that, a national redemption certainly would have made him tremendously excited would have thrilled his heart i i just see him having a mini praise service right there as he writes this and pens the holy spirit gives him the words to write and it's a powerful statement and paul who has yearned and desire we've read it in this letter he yearns and desires for the salvation of his people and now he gets the right the day is coming when all of israel will be saved boy what a thrill that is do you wish that you could write, the day is coming when all of Fostoria is going to be saved? When all of the Pier is going to be saved? And Millington, Ambassador is going to be saved? When all, hey, can we dream big when all of Michigan is saved? Wouldn't that be a great delight to be able to write that? Now, certainly that's not part of God's plans right now, but who says that you and I couldn't work hard to see what could be accomplished? So he's writing this, he is thrilled, and I would hope that it would thrill our hearts to write all of Fostoria got saved, or all of Michigan got saved, or all of the United States got saved. So if we think of it in context of that, it might help us to uh, picture or envision what Paul felt in that moment. 
Now, with that statement comes up a, a, a boatload, as I like to say, of questions. Uh, we got to take it in context, and it, it's the context that Paul gives us from his vast knowledge of the Old Testament, and more importantly, it's the context provided through him by the Holy Spirit. What does he do? Well, he quotes a Bible verse. He quotes Isaiah chapter 59 in verse number 20. It says this, And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. It's clear from the context of Isaiah 59, and really even more so Isaiah 60, if you have the chance to read it, that we're given a description of the messianic kingdom, when Jesus Christ will come and rule. Understand what that is. It's a time when Israel as a nation will turn to Jesus Christ, embrace Him as the much-awaited Messiah, and as such, worship Him for, what does the verse say? Their anticipated Redeemer, the one that buys them back. And what a joy that is and encouragement. And yet, we've got to realize in the context this truth, okay? Let us never forget that though the ages may change, the dispensations change, the reality is this, the means of salvation does not. See, sometimes when we read this verse, people read it and say, oh, look, all, all of the nation of Israel are going to get saved, and whether they want to or not, or whatever the case may be, if, if you're a card-carrying Israelite, you're going to get saved automatically. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean, as we've already seen in the book of Romans, that if they come from the lineage of Abraham, if they can cr- trace their descendancy from the 12 tribes of Israel, it does not mean that they will automatically get saved. Nowhere in scriptures do we see such a concept. That's not what Paul's writing here. not what the Holy Spirit is telling you and I. So we take it in, conce- in context of even the verse that he has given us here. And we come to understand that salvation is always, always by grace through faith. All the way back to Abraham, all the way now to the present time and into the future, the tribulation and such. Uh, it is always by grace through faith. You see... The verse from Isaiah really even speaks of that, doesn't it? Um, think of it as we read it here. It says, in, uh, unto them that turn from the transgression in Jacob. Those that turn from transgression. It's literally speaking of an act that is faith-motivated. What is that act? It's called repentance. To turn. So he, he, even in this verse that he's quoting here before, he says, listen, in Isaiah 59, in verse number 20, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob. Those who repent, those who say, wait a second, we have gone after false gods in this sense themselves, a, a, a false religion, not embracing Jesus Christ the Messiah, and they're going to turn and say, wait a minute, we messed up, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They're going to turn from their sin of lack of faith and unbelief as Paul has already described it as that. You see, we understand this simple truth too. The tribulation that lies ahead is a time of judgment. It's a time of judgment upon the whole world, yes. It's a time of judgment upon unbelieving Gentiles, yes. It's a time of judgment upon unbelieving Jews. And even now, the Jews are being chastened. That's, they've been, uh, those spiritual blessings now given to the Gentiles, and they, in a sense, have been kind of set on a shelf just temporarily, and they're suffering some judgment, some chastening of the Lord. I think Ezekiel chapter uh, 20, very prophetic, and possibly it's one of those prophecies that has dual meanings, both in the very near future of that day, but also in the far future. And it provides a good description of God's plan 
uh, part of God's plan for how we're going to get from where we are, the coming to the end of the fullness of the Gentiles, and how we're going to get to there where he can write, and so all Israel shall be saved. I think Ezekiel chapter 20 paints for us the picture, how we get from verse 25 to verse 26. And it involves the tribulation. It involves the chastening of the Lord. Look with me. Hold your spot here. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 20, if you will. We're going to look at verse 33. So we'll give you a moment uh, to find Ezekiel. And uh, right there before Daniel, Ezekiel chapter number 20. We'll look down at verse number 30, if you will, with me. Ezekiel chapter number 20. Look down with me at verse 33. We're going to read these slow. Those at home, I'd encourage you, please follow along. These are tremendous verses as God is describing the restoration of Israel and what pre- uh, comes before it. Um, what is the precursor to it? Precipitates it. Notice verse 33. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out will i rule over you good good thought he's going to rule over him that's the messianic kingdom verse 34 and i will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein you're scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out uh, doesn't that fury make you think of the tribulation? Doesn't it think of the, uh, the judgments that are going to fall upon all the earth? So with a fury and then the, the eventual battle and so forth. Notice in verse 35 and key verse here. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people. And there, and I love this phrase, and we'll dwell on it for the rest of our time together. And there will I plead with you face to face. He gives a description, like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God, and I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant, and I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn. And they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Man, it's a powerful section, isn't it? Passage describing, hey, God's saying, this is how I'm going to deal with you, and this is how we're going to get from the end of verse 25, the end of the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, to the reality of all of Israel shall be saved. And uh, I love that statement. I will plead with you face to face. What does that tell us about our God? The God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, the God who will be overseeing the tribulation and the time of the setting up of the Messianic kingdom. What does that tell us about our God? May I put it before you this way, and I am thankful for this characteristic of our God. Our God is always after changed hearts. That's what he is desirous of. You see, we have to continually remind ourselves, even when it comes to the Jews, of this simple truth. If he, wanted, if he merely wanted people to fill a kingdom, if he merely wanted people to be obedient servants, if he merely wanted somebody uh, who uh, would just do what he desires, do his will, there'd be no need for man possessing a free will. He can make robots of us, essentially. He can make us just and created us as human beings with no choice and no decision. And yet the fact is this, he did create us with the ability to make decision in response to the voice of God. 
When God says, I'm going to plead with you in the wilderness, as I did the people in the wilderness of Egypt, he's saying this, man, I, I'm going to try to reason with you. I'm going to try to call you. I'm going to try to reach out to you and call you to righteousness, call you to repentance, call you to turn from your transgressions and to follow me, call you from your unbelief to faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But aren't you thankful tonight that God is still calling people? His voice is alive today. It will be just as alive, loud, and clear as it was in the Old Testament as it is today, and it will be even during the tribulation. In the days leading up to the establishment of the messianic kingdom, I mean, we serve a great God, friend. His desire is that in that grand tribulation, and do not miss it, in the worst time this world has ever seen, and I dare say I, I, I haven't seen it, but I think there's probably somebody who's written in an article, has written on social media, that what we are going through as a nation in their minds is like hell on earth. Well, you and I know they don't have a clue what hell's going to be like. But there will be some people, if they live long enough to go through the tribulation, they're going to think the tribulation is hell on earth. Won't come close but it'll be a whole lot closer than what we're facing right now. And during that tribulation, during that time when people are going through what they could never imagine they would face, boy, I want to tell you tonight that the voice of God will still sound loud and clear. Calling people, pleading with souls to be saved, including many Jews. As those 144,000, and he uses them and he calls them. The fact is this, what's God's desire? He wants to purge them. He wants to take away their sins. He, he, he wants to bring them back into the spiritual inheritance of Abraham and faith. Remember what we talked about, and uh, forgive me those who weren't with us a couple weeks ago, but one of the delights of this last passage we just got through, verse 24, was he says, cannot even I as God, if I can graft in the wild olive tree into the good tree, can I not take the branch that has fallen away and graft them back in and believe? And our God is capable. He is able. He is all-powerful. He is compassionate. He is loving. He is faithful in what? He is seeking all so that none would perish that's our god that's what he wants to do with israel isaiah uh, chapter 27 and verse 9 some say that paul is even thinking about this when he writes verse 26 and it says this by this and a time of tribulation is literally what he's referring to time of trouble time of a, a difficult circumstances by this therefore shall the iniquity of jacob be purged and this is all the fruit to take away his sin. See, as God had done in the past when Israel sinned in the land and in the wilderness, God's going to do again. He's going to use a current time of chastening uh, for the nation. We understand, we grasp even what Paul said in Romans, but what we see today and over the last several centuries of Israel's history, boy, God's been chasing it now. They've been judged, in a sense, already for their unbelief, their rejection of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And as a nation, they've suffered more than any other nation here on earth. And yet, the fact is, through this, God wants to use it to bring the Jews to repentance, to purge them of their sins. Literally, to use it as the means by which Israel is purged. Look at verse 27, back here in Romans chapter 11. Notice what he says. For this is my covenant. Literally, the fulfillment of my covenant unto them is what? When I shall take away their sins. 
They shall be saved. And they're going to come to that attitude of repentance and turning to me in faith. I'm going to take away their sins. That's what it says. Now, let me ask you this. According to verse 27, what would we describe is the taking away of sins? Well, there's really two parts to it. Paul's already described it in the prior passages and chapters of Romans. The first one is this, it is salvation. And that salvation is the establishing of a relationship that was not there before. When someone comes to Jesus Christ to put their faith and trust in him as their Savior, they are establishing a relationship that was not present before. This is the individual uh, level. So what he's saying is, the sins are going to be taken away, those sins that have separated many Jews from even knowing God. So in that, when he says, I'm going to take away the sins, he's talking on the individual level of salvation. But it's also this taking away of sins is a reference uh, corporately, nationally. It's an attitude and a respect or reference to restoration. The reestablishing of a relationship that had been broken in sin and iniquity. Here's the nation of Israel. And God says in the future, all of Israel will be saved. How will that happen? The Redeemer will show up. They will turn from their iniquities. And as they turn from their iniquities, guess what? They will be able to be God's people again with all of the spiritual blessings and inheritance that you and I as Gentiles are now enjoying by the grace of God. It is a restoration on a national level. And I think this is a beautiful truth, so don't miss it. When he says all of Israel will be saved and I'm going to take away their sins in fulfillment and in keeping with the covenant, uh, he's speaking of salvation on an individual level and he's speaking of restoration as a nation. And can you believe what Israel has in front of them? I think of those videos we saw a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, I guess now, of, of Jews who just didn't want to embrace Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and some of them vehemently, angrily, uh, those who are Orthodox Jews don't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ. Isn't it going to be a beautiful thing when their eyes are open, when their hearts are no longer hardened, and they see Jesus Christ for who He is? Some of that same emotion we saw in rejecting them, I think we'll see very similar emotion in embracing Him. Man, what a day that will be. If that's you and I in heaven being able to see them, a marriage, suffer the land, those things that are taking place, uh, that'll be an exciting day. See, individual Jews will be saved, and the nation of Israel will be restored to that special relationship as God's people, enjoying all the promised blessings of the covenant. It's the taking away of sins by God on the part of Israel. How is it accomplished? And don't miss this. This is really the key. What Ezekiel chapter 20 alluded to, what stands between verse 25 and verse 26 of Romans chapter 11, how is it accomplished? What's well, accomplished, don't miss it, by God pleading with them face to face. God picturing, as it would, that he's coming to them and in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the depths of the chastening of the, the nation of Israel. Hey, Israel has it bad now, but can I tell you, Israel's going to have it pretty bad in the tribulation too. They're going to be the focus of, of uh, international disgust and disdain. We think that's the case now, but it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And it's through this, in the midst of this great storm and this great terrible time for a nation, that God's voice is going to come. And he says, listen, I want to plead with you face to face. I want to plead with you. You know what it reminds us about the character of God? And don't miss it tonight. Here's our clear application for you and I. God doesn't let any storm go unused. God 
does not have any chastening or judgment that is purposeless. He doesn't allow any, any storm, any challenge, any trial, any test, any tumultuous time to go unused in the lives of those he cares about. And frankly, for God so loved the world. See, there's no doubt that even now, you and I are living in a very trying time. It seems with every hour, yay, every day for sure, um, that things change. Things change. We were talking and joking just before the service, not joking, just discussing the, uh, how, how quickly things escalate and how earlier in the day they were doing some partial shutdowns of the big three, and then by the time one of the men walked in, they're shutting down all of them. <laughs> and it's just it, constant. Who knows? Uh, we may be under a different kind of law, a different kind of executive order by this time tomorrow night. Who knows? Things are just changing. We are living in a difficult, challenging time. Uh, maybe it's even a time of divine chastening for mankind. We can talk about that, argue about that later, whether that's the case, but it's certainly possible. But maybe, just maybe, through the horde of voices of fear and panic and trepidation, just maybe you can hear the voice of God, and He's saying simply this. In the midst of the coronavirus, I want to plead with you face to face. I I want to converse with you. I want you and I to sit down and reason together in the midst of all of this and what we're facing as a, as a nation, as an international community, if we might call it that. Maybe God is saying to you, even tonight, maybe those via live streaming, God's saying to you, I want to plead with you face to face. Can I encourage you, friend and dear friend, just maybe God wants to use this pandemic to reason with you concerning your sin. Maybe like Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. My friend, I want to tell you tonight, if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, tonight you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You're dead. And just maybe through this time, this crazy time, and this week I have never heard so many people in my entire life saying this, one of two things. They either said, I would have never dreamed this would ever happen, or number two, I've never seen anything like it. And that describes the time we're living in. And may I say, hey, our God is a big enough God to say, I'm going to use that pandemic to bring someone to Jesus Christ. And there might be someone watching by live streaming tonight. And the fact is this, God is saying to you right now, come, I want to reason with you. I want to speak and plead with you face to face. Though your sins be as scarlet, and you've committed many sins, and the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And my friend, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you were to die tonight, you would go to a place called hell and eventually the lake of fire. And you will pay for the rest of eternity for the sins that you've committed. You'll be paying that price. But the good news is Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and your sins. He made a way, and that's what God in heaven wants to reason with every man who doesn't know him about the simple reality that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just maybe, just maybe, tonight, God wants to use a coronavirus to plead with you face to face. Maybe he's calling you tonight. 
Maybe he's speaking to your heart through a difficult time and he wants to plead with you. If he is calling you tonight, maybe he's pleading with you through his word, through the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now. Will you hear his voice tonight in the midst of the storm? See, the time is coming where Israel as a nation will hear the voice. They will turn to him. Will you? See, it's possible. Now, don't miss this. It's possible that on an individual level that God is using the plan of a great pandemic to bring about his plan in someone's life. That God would use the coronavirus, COVID-19, or anything else, whatever the situation, the circumstance. Sometimes we think so humanly, because I don't know about you, a lot of my plans for this week have been disrupted by a virus, something I can't even see. And so many of us on a human level, we, we think, oh man, this is catching us off guard. We're not prepared for this, so God's not prepared for this. Listen to me. God was prepared for this before, he turned, before the beginning of this world, before anything happened, God knew it. Ask me to explain it, I can. I just know who my God is and his omnipotence and his omniscience. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And my friend, I will tell you right now that our God knew what was going to happen right now, March 17th, in the state of Michigan, in the United States of America, in the world he created it. And he is a great and gracious, loving God that would use even a virus to call someone to plead with them for salvation. So maybe that's you tonight. And yet there's many of us who are listening. We are, we are believers. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We are Christians. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And yet God is speaking to you tonight because there's sin in the camp. There's something in your life right now that isn't right. It isn't what it ought to be, and it ought not to be there. In fact, I would say this. I believe this wholeheartedly in many a life of a believer that God is in heaven. He wants to use this pandemic to slow us down, to remove some distractions, to get our attention. God wants to plead face-to-face with many of us as Christians. He's calling us to do so. I've told you before of my children, one of them loved to get my attention by putting both hands on the face, pulling me down and looking me straight in the eye just so they would have my full attention and focus. May I say to you tonight, the coronavirus, the COVID-19, is God wanting to plead with somebody face to face. I dare say he probably wants to plead with all of us. There's probably something in our life that we've been, an area we've been distracted, an area where we haven't given God our full attention, that we, we've been moving around in life and far, far going fast in life, and we haven't slowed down. See, I, I believe all across America there are believers tonight with whom God wants to use this present temporary circumstance as an opportunity to just spend some time pleading face-to-face with us. Truth be known tonight, some of us have left our first love. We've gotten away from the love we ought to have for God. Truth be known, some of us have been distracted from the Christianity we are to live by the offerings and enticements of this world. We've been distracted. Some of us have tried to serve two masters for far too long. Some of us, we've taken our spiritual blessings that we have for granted. May I tell you, tonight's a good time to sit down with God face-to-face in prayer. 
and simply ask him, what are some sins and iniquities in my life that I need to confess? Uh, what is it in my life that needs to be better? What is it in my life that needs to change? What is it that needs to be purged out? What is it that needs to be refined to make me more like Christ? What is it, Lord? He wants to plead face-to-face with you and I tonight. Will you do it? When we go to prayer here, I, I, I believe here in your home or here at the church that we ought to take a few moments individually and, and spend some time in prayer and say, okay, God, you have my attention. You know what's sad for many Christians? You know who's gotten most of their attention during this? The media. Uh, the phone. Uh, those who are in authority and can tell us all about this, the medical experts. Can I tell you, there's someone who's more of an expert than medical expert, that's God. And he ought to get our full attention. And so I would encourage you even tonight that God is calling you and I to meet him face to face. Let me just put it bluntly. A pandemic is truly wasted spiritually if it doesn't draw us closer to God. If we don't allow it to impact us spiritually, refine us, change us into the very image of God, of Jesus Christ, we have wasted a storm, we have wasted a trial, a testing in our lives that God intends to be part of the big picture plan. I honestly believe, Pastor Tony's here, Pastor Aaron here, obviously Pastor Henry's here. I honestly believe for everyone gathered here, that God has a means and a way and a purpose for this situation to grow each of us. He wants to plead with us. As He will do with Israel as a nation, He wants to plead with you and I to bring about righteousness in our lives. You say, Pastor Henry, to say, boy, that a pandemic is wasted, those are strong words. Oh, they may be strong words, but they're true words. We ought not to waste them. Our prayer time, as we'll experience here in just a few moments, is truly a face-to-face time with God. That's why I love prayer. We get to enter into His presence, and for us, it is a face-to-face time. We've heard it said in our modern vernacular, prayer is FaceTiming God. It's coming face-to-face with Him. So let's do that. Tonight, the days that follow, no matter what the, the landscape is, no matter what comes tomorrow and the next day, let's say, you know what, God has my attention right now. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to allow God to plead with me face to face through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through prayer. God, you plead with me and I'm going to respond as those Jews will do in the tribulation. I want you to purge me. I want you to make me into what I ought to be. You see, if you and I will let him plead with us now, friend, through his Holy Spirit, through his word, and even through prayer, Just as his plan for the Jews and Gentiles has played out as he planned, you can be sure that God has the plan for this current situation, and it will play out. And you know what? On the other side of this, you and I can simply say this. I love it when God's plan comes together. I love it when God brings good things out of what the world says is a terrible thing, and yet he has a specific result in mind that he wants to see realized in your life and my life. Listen to me. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God doesn't want any storm or any problem to go wasted. So what does he want you to learn, and where does he want you to grow, and what does he want done and accomplished in your life through this situation right now? Don't let it go to waste. Would you tonight and the days that follow sit down with God face-to-face in prayer, face-to-face with him and his word? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and challenge you through the current situation. And we'll praise God for bringing storms that draw us closer to him.
It's what he'll do with Israel, what he's doing right now with Israel. And he desires to do it with you and I. Let's make it a matter of prayer as we go to prayer tonight. As we go into our prayer time, can I just encourage you? I want to tell you to encourage you, ask you there at home here at the church as we split up here in a moment in prayer time. Number one, pray yourself for a couple minutes. Then maybe get together and then, then pray. First of all, as yourself, just pray for God to open your eyes. Say, God, you got my attention. Just reveal what you want me to learn. What's the lesson in this? What, what do you want me to learn? How do you want me to grow? What's in my life that, that you want to purge? Would you just ask those questions? And then as you come together in prayer, can I encourage you to pray about these things? Number one, pray for our own. What do I mean by that? Pray for our church family. Pray, Lord, we're going to protect, especially those at high risk in our church, uh, those who have a low immune system, those who are elderly. Just pray that God will protect them. Pray for family members um, of our church family. Um, obviously around here we're not hit so bad, but uh, we have family members. I have a, uh, my aunt's uh, brother. Um, he um, just got diagnosed with COVID-19. He's in the hospital right now as we speak, and he has about a 50% chance to, to live. And so I'd ask you to pray for him. His name is Greg. He is down in, uh, down in Indiana. And uh, just pray for Greg. That's my aunt's brother. And uh, they thought his COPD was acting up. He almost died on Monday on the way to the hospital. Then they just discovered yesterday or this morning that it was actually COVID-19. So appreciate your prayers for Greg, his family, and so forth. And I'll tell you, we, there's many in our church family that have family members scattered around the United States of America. So let's pray for our own church members. Let's pray um, for um, their family members, no matter where they are. Number two, pray for those in authority. Well, I'll tell you, friend, there are many things I don't agree with, our president and our governor, but the one thing I do agree with is this, they need prayer. God has called us to pray for them. So put put aside your political differences uh, and pray. Pray for them. Pray that God will give them wisdom to make the right decisions, how to handle this, how, how to recover from it. Just pray for them. And uh, they need prayer. Uh, so pray for all those in authority, those on the local level who are making decisions. Let me ask you to pray for this too. Pray for our sister churches and pastors. Many churches and pastors are suffering all around the nation. It's not fun being a pastor right now in the sense of having to deal with this. It's fun preaching the Word. It's fun ministering. It's, it's always great and wonderful to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no doubt about that. That will never change, and I wouldn't change it for a moment. But it is difficult to be in an authority position when it's a no-win situation. So pray for our pastors. Just communicating with about 18 different pastors in Michigan today. And just pray for the sister churches in Michigan, around the the country. And these pastors, the Lord would just protect them, encourage them, help them to continue being faithful, and that we might shine. And that kind of leads into the next one, right? Pray for revival among God's people. Hey, what we prayed about tonight, or what we talked about tonight, listen, God wants to plead with us. Distractions are removed. Life has slowed down in some ways, and God wants to get our attention. Let's have a revival. Let's pray for revival among ourselves, among our church, among God's people. And then I want you to pray for these prayer requests. Brother Rob, you'll bring those up if we have any. And uh, pray for these individual prayer requests. We have a few at home in our own church family that are sick and under the weather. I want you to ask you to pray for them specifically. Pray for many of our missionaries. Pray for the ones that were mentioned earlier that uh, God would undertake on their behalf. Thank you, sir. So just pray for that and uh, pray for these. Ask you to pray for uh, Miss Wendy Eaton has an unspoken prayer request. So please pray for that. Uh, Miss Wendy Eaton, uh, unspoken prayer request. The Lord would just undertake there on her behalf and what 
whatever that is, Lord certainly knows it. I ask you to pray for Ruth Yule's mom, Ira Santiago. We prayed for her much before. Continue to pray for her healing from cancer. The Lord would undertake on her behalf and put a hedge of protection around her. Encourage you to do that. And then as I mentioned, my relative Greg, distant relative Greg, very seriously ill, ventilator, and about 50% chance of life. So just pray. We appreciate your prayers. My mom and dad sent that in too. And so just encourage you to pray. And we would appreciate that. Pray one for another. The Lord would just you know, work in our nation, work in our churches, work in our lives. I, I am thankful. We, we've heard this said, and I'll be done, and we'll go to prayer time. But we've heard it be said that, boy, this is a great time for families to gather together. I'm 100% behind that. So all the families of Fostory Baptist Church, use it. Uh, enjoy the time of coming together. Eat dinner together. Spend time together. But it's also for the time for the family of God to come together prayer and caring one for another. We may not be able to see people face to face, but aren't you thankful for the digital era and age in which we live? Uh, Someone was mentioning today in a text message, one of our older folks, boy, they were so delighted that we have the live streaming. God led us to put the live streaming in in preparation even for this. We didn't know this was coming, but boy, what a blessing it is. And I'm grateful for our connectivity, our ability to connect one with another. I'd encourage you to do that as we go to prayer. Thank you, those who have joined us by live streaming. Thank you, those folks who have joined us here. We look forward to Sunday. Plan on joining us via uh, digitally, via Facebook and YouTube, the website. Come back and be with us. And some will be here, some digitally, but we'll be together and uh, worshiping our Savior and worshiping our Lord. I encourage you to do that. We'll go to prayer at this time. I encourage you to pray for these prayer requests.